ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out (laughs) on this podcast. What I'm going to talk about is 1997. And more specifically, some of the things that I learned in 1997. But follow me on this. You'll you'll understand where I'm coming from. Uh, Obviously, 1997 was more than a few years ago, but I came to 1997 uh, and more specifically who I was in 1997 based on a conversation uh, that I had with my sons Um, at the time of this recording. Uh, my two oldest sons, Dion and Cameron, uh, are both away at college. Uh, Dion is 21, Cameron is 18. And so last week we were having a discussion via text in our little group chat, and uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, hip hop and rap and you know things that were going on or whatever and i'm always intrigued by their questions because a lot of times they ask me questions about things that happen at a certain period in time that obviously that they weren't here for and you know i'm always eager to you know give them my answer my perspective because you know that's what a father does so (laughs) this particular day uh cameron asked about um we were talking about it was the anniversary of uh Biggie Smalls death, notorious B.I.G. And uh, Cameron, you know, I guess Cameron, the best way to describe him, Cameron probably is more like me when I was 18 um, than anybody else. And so he asked via text, he was like, yeah, he said, well, how old was Biggie? No, he said, Dad, how old were you when Biggie was murdered? And I said, I was 23. I had just, you know, finished college and I had just, um, I was just about to later that summer, 1997, um, move from Orangeburg where I was living, where I just finished college at uh, South Carolina State University. I was about to move from Orangeburg to Atlanta. And uh, (laughs) so I told him, I said, yeah, I was 23. And he said his response, the typical camera response, dang, dad, I can't picture you at 23. And that made me crack up because one, it's just Cameron. But, you know, that's probably something I would have said to my father at his age as well. Um, But it made me laugh because I was like, no, son, I, I, I was 23 at one point in time. I know you think your dad is an old geezer, but, you know, I, I was around and I was outside at 23. And um, I said, well, you know, it's just like it's hard for you to picture me at 23. I said, it's hard for me to picture you at 18 because, you know, when I look at you, sometimes I see, you know, that same little round faced five year old boy, you know, that used to run right behind his big brother and run behind his dad. And I was like, so, you know, it's it's just we, we grow. And his response was, well, yeah, dad, I still can't picture you at 23. <laughs> so it got me to thinking, like, you know, who was I 
1997. Like, who was I in, 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 in at that age, at you know, the age of 23, trying to figure things out and uh, where I would be headed as far as my life was concerned? Because at the time, I you know, I wasn't married, didn't have any kids, just had a college degree, and um, about to embark upon a move that would probably, well, I'm not gonna say probably, definitely change my life. Um, but I learned some things in 1997, <laughs> and that's what I'm gonna talk about on this podcast. Um, one of the things that I learned in 1997 was that the streets are different. And I mean, the streets are really different. Uh, as many of you know, well, maybe you don't know, I, I grew up in uh, Florence, South Carolina, and Florence isn't a big place. I mean, maybe 70, 80,000 people maybe at this time. And it wasn't that big back then either. Um, but, you know, it's probably more people in Decatur than it is <laughs> in Florence. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 it's, you know, it's a different type of lifestyle. I mean, you, you, you know, you, I grew up in an area where, you know, everybody pretty much knew each other. And if you didn't know somebody, you knew, of their family or their cousins or somebody like that. And so, you know, obviously going from a small town to a major metropolitan city, you know, it's, it's, it's an adjustment. And so, um, uh, as I mentioned on the podcast before, I did not make this move alone. Um, ironically, I, when I moved here, I would be moving with one of my best friends. Um, my boy that I grew up with who, you know, lived around a corner from me in Florence growing up, my boy Jay Fresh. So Fresh and I were going to move here and get a spot and, you know, <laughs> start on with our lives, I guess. He had just graduated college, too, as well. So um, so we were moving here. So in our decision to move here, we had to obviously find a place. So we were like, all right, man, let's go. Let's, you know, let's let's take it to the A1 weekend and we need to try to find a place. And we said we were going to do it in a weekend we we just wanted to pick one particular weekend we were going to find a place now keep in mind we didn't have jobs <laughs> so <laughs> i think you ha have to have a job first but um i was actually interviewing so um so you know i it, it was on you know we we were definitely you know coming and like i said the streets are different so i never forget we, we came we didn't know where it looking back on it now like we probably should have been looking and staying on the same side of town. But like if you and I'll kind of describe this for people who, you know, may not be familiar with Atlanta. We chose to stay in a hotel on the east side of town of the city. Right. But where we were looking to stay was on the northwest side of the city. Right. So. We were looking, we were staying in Decatur, <laughs> but we were looking at spots in Marietta. Again, that's a northern, northwest suburb. So Decatur's in the east, Marietta's in the west, northwest, and this is about a 30-minute drive. <laughs> I don't know why we did this, but anyway. um, So... 
not knowing again this this was 97 so there was no you know um there was no website that you could go to to find your hotel and book your hotel we just said okay well hey you know we'll just find a hotel in Decatur and we'll you know we'll go there and I'd been to you know Decatur before because I came down to Atlanta for Freaknik um which (laughs) was which was an experience in and of itself that I did a podcast on but um anyway so I was like well we can stay in Decatur and when we were coming into the city you know we got off the exit and as soon as we got off the exit boom there was a hotel there was a ramada inn i think um the the place is still there and the name has changed like 12 times but let's just say it's the it was a ramada inn it was one of those hotels where you're actually outside and you walk to your room and your room opens up to the outside. So it was a hotel, but it probably was a motel. Um, But again, you know, we don't know any better. We're just two kids from Florence. We don't know. And so we was like, OK, well, let's just chill. You know, we came in on a Friday. We was like, we just chill. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll make it happen tomorrow. So later that night, it was getting, you know, getting kind of late or whatever. And Jay Fresh was standing outside. I was inside the room kind of resting or whatever. And Fresh was outside. He was standing on like the little balcony terrace area. And again, the streets are different. And we had to learn this really quick. Um, So he's standing outside and he sees this woman. And she is bad. I mean, she's fine as all get out. She's got, you know, everything exposed, little short skirt, whatever the case may be, high heels, nice hair, the whole nine. So Fresh is looking at her. And she's, she looks up. She sees Fresh. She kind of waves. He waves back. And um, <laughs> so, you know, Fresh was like, he was just looking. He wasn't even going to say anything. And she was like, Hey, how you doing? He was like, he's like, I'm good. How are you? She was like, I'm cool. She was like, um, she said something or whatever. They made a little small talk. And again, she's still on the ground. He's on the second floor standing and talking to her. And I'm, I'm hearing this conversation cause I'm like in and out of sleep, but I'm, I'm like, no, nah, he can't be talking to anybody. Who's he talking to? And then, so a couple minutes later, he's still standing. She walks away and then she walks back out and she appears with a guy (laughs) and the dude says hey man my lady friend want to come up there and talk to you what's up and so fresh is like word and then he's like yeah you trying to have some fun And at that point, Fresh realizes that mm, this ain't it. Like, he is clearly her pimp. (laughs) And she's trying to get some money. And then so she breaks out into, well, hey, what room are you in? I'm coming up right now. He's like, yeah, we both can come up right now. Just stay right there. (laughs) 
and they proceed to come up. And at this point, Fresh turns and comes back into the room and locks the door. And I hear the door close and then I just hear him say, oh, shit. <laughs> and I wake up and I'm like, yo, what's the matter? He's like, yo, yo, yo. He's like, turn the lights off. Turn the lights off. I was like, what? He's like, turn the lights off. He's like, man, these people are coming up here. I said, who? We're in Atlanta. Nobody knows who we are. Like, what do you mean? He's like, yo, man, he's like, the chick I was just talking to, man, she, her and her pimp, they coming up here. He's like, man, be, be quiet, be quiet, hide, hide, hide. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I hiding for? So he closed the curtains. He turned the, turns the lights off. He actually hides <laughs> behind the bed. <laughs> and he's like, be quiet, man, don't say nothing. And then all of a sudden we hear, A knock at the door. It's old girl and her pimp. And she was like, hey, I'm looking for uh, the dude in the blue shirt. And we say nothing. I'm standing there. Fresh is on the floor (laughs) hiding behind the bed as if they can see in the room. And he's motioning to me like, be quiet. Don't say nothing. And. She knocks on the door again and we don't say anything. And then we see, we look under the door and we see the, the feet kind of walk away. And it was at that moment that we realized, you know, the streets are different. <laughs> you ain't in Florence no more. You can't be like friendly to people. You can't just speak to people You because you never know what people's angle is. So, you know, and everybody got an angle. So especially when people approach you on the street, everybody has an angle. So you have to kind of move like that and understand that not everybody means you harm, but at the same time, this isn't friendly Florence, South Carolina. This isn't the place where everybody knows you or knows your people. So you can't just speak to random scantily clad women on the street. (laughs) And so that was a lesson that I learned in 1997. Um, another lesson I learned, uh, I learned how to actually work with white people. Don't laugh. (laughs) I actually learned how to work with white people. Um, so I didn't really spend a lot of time with white people. I mean, I went to school with white folks, um, I think I had a friend or two, um, and I mean friend, not associates, but I had plenty of associates, but I went to a predominantly black high school. My high school is probably about 9010. Uh, shout out to Wilson High School. And so I didn't really, you know, spend a lot of time with white people, to be honest. My mentor in high school was white, but, you know, outside of him, you know, I really didn't. And it wasn't like any type of prejudice thing, but I just... Just didn't. I lived on the black side of town <laughs> in a black neighborhood, and that's how it was. So, you know, coming to Atlanta was going to be different because obviously I was probably going to be around and maybe live around white people. Um, but I definitely was going to have to work in some type of corporate setting at some point with white folks. And so, uh, the by the time we actually moved here, I think 
about it. I think we got the apartment. We got a townhouse actually. And I think right before we got approved for it or whatever, I got a job. I got a job as an assistant manager at Champ Sports in Lenox Mall. <laughs> and this was when Lenox Mall was like popping. I mean, if you're familiar with Atlanta, if you've been to Atlanta, you've probably been to Lenox Mall. Lenox Mall at that at that particular time was the place to go, was the place to see people, see celebrities, everything. Uh, nowadays, you might want to take a bulletproof vest if you go to Lenox, but that's another subject for another day. Um, but yeah, I got a job as assistant manager. So my manager uh, was actually a white lady named Carla. Now, at this particular time, this is only the second job that I've had. Uh, I got a job as a assistant manager at a video store in Orangeburg when I was there. And um, my managers were white. But to be honest, I didn't work side beside them. And so, you know, they were in and out because we had different stores. So uh, it wasn't like I was, you know, with them every day. But at Lenox, I was going to have to be, you know, reporting to um, a white manager and her name happened to be Carla. And so this is a first for me. Not only am I working with white people, but I'm actually reporting to a white woman and this is a different space, you know, um, especially after having gone to a black high school and then uh, South Carolina state university, which is a historically black college. Uh, so I didn't know what to think. Like, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I will say this. When I when I interviewed for the position, uh, I seemed to have a pretty cool rapport with Carla. So I was like, OK, she's cool. You know, for what it's worth, you know, keeping it professional. We, we, we had a professional interview, but, you know, at, towards the end of the interview, I kind of loosened up and she kind of loosened up and we talked about sports and she I learned that she played volleyball in college. And I, of course, played football in college. So we had that in common. So we, you know, we kind of developed a rapport. So, uh, you know, when they I remember when she called me, and gave me the offer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was excited, man, because it was like I'm a young kid moving to Atlanta and I'm going to have a pocket full of money and I'm single. Um and so that's what it was. And so uh, but it was interesting because, you know, a lot of times uh, and particularly that particular time in Linux, you know, you had quite a bit of diversity that would come through the mall and more in particular come through that store. Um, you had, you know. White folks, <laughs> you had black people, you had the cats from the hood. You had Mexicans, you had a little bit of everything and people would come in and celebrities, too, for that matter. Um, you know, so it was so it was it was cool to see that. And um, but working with her was working with Carla was real cool. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I was a little apprehensive about, you know, working working with white people because I'd never really worked with white people before. And I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, it's 1997 and. In a sense, I kind of lived a, a, 
the sheltered black life, <laughs> if you will. You know, some people, uh, some white folks have the sheltered white life where they never come in contact or rarely come in contact with black people. Uh, well, mine was the reverse. So, and the place where me and Jay Fresh lived, uh, there weren't really a lot of white folks around there either. So, you know, we were in a very, very different space. So, uh, yeah, man, Champs at Lennox, man, was really, really dope. Um, Carla was real cool. And uh, I enjoy my time working there. And I realized, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be as far as like I thought there might be some bumpy roads or some awkward conversations that we might have to have. But she was the coolest. She was the coolest. And, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed my time there until I decided to leave um, because I just <laughs> the idea of working on Saturdays and Sundays just was just crazy to me. I was like, nah. I ain't go to school for four years to be <laughs> to be pushing shirts and Jordans at eight o'clock on a Saturday night. I'm trying to get in the streets. I'm trying to have fun. So um, but nonetheless, Champ Sports was the spot and Carla was cool. And and it made me realize that, you know, um, you can work with white people. So that was something I learned in 97. Um, what else? Um, oh, finally. I learned in 1997 that things aren't always what they seem. Case in point, it was a Saturday night and <laughs> me and Jay Fresh, we, we would go to clubs all the time because one of the things that was interesting about moving here was that we didn't know anybody, right? It's rare for you to move to a city and not know anybody i didn't know nobody right so fresh and i moved here and um you know so we figured okay well we got to get to know some people other than ourselves and the people we work with so uh you know let's hang out so we would go to clubs like every night <laughs> and there's one particular night it was a saturday night i'll never forget it it was a saturday night it was hot because we moved in july right it was hot, so I had on some shorts and some sneakers. He had on shorts and sneakers, and we were just, it was like we were going to go up in this spot. And so we were, I think the night before we had gone to a, <laughs> we went to a uh, a club that had salsa night. And so we literally were the only black men in the club. And so, and looking back on it now, it probably looked like we were trying to pick up, you know, some Mexican women, but that wasn't the case. Like we just didn't know. We just heard, okay, it's salsa night. You know, it's like, okay, we ain't really into that kind of music, but Hey, you know, let's do something different. So, so we went and yeah, we were literally the only two black dots in the whole damn spot. But anyway, on this particular night, Saturday night's hot. So we go downtown, right? So we're driving down, riding down Peachtree Street, and we drive past this spot, right? And it's a long-ass line. And so <laughs> I didn't even see it. Fresh was like, yo, let's go in this spot right here. I did not suggest it because I didn't even see All I saw was a line. I didn't know where these people were going, right? So... So we park up, we park, and then we say, okay, well, we're going to go get in line. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, 
to this day, I don't like standing in lines. I hate lines. Um, I've always hated standing in lines, but, you know, it is what it is. So we're standing in line and we're obviously at the back of the line. And it's weird because this line seemed to wrap around the corner. And, you know, I I didn't like that, but I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's whatever. And the line seemed to be moving pretty quickly. So I figured that, okay, hey, it's Atlanta, you know, they're probably, you know, you would you would think that they're using some type of security, patting cats down, going into the club and, you know, whatever. And so we're moving closer and closer. And so we get about halfway. And I noticed that everybody in the line that we were standing in were men. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it didn't it didn't shock me or anything like that because I had I went to plenty of parties and clubs and stuff when I was in college at South Carolina State and, you know, I went to we used to go to this one club and, you know, sometimes if the lines were long, they'd have ladies in one line, fellas in another line. So I was used to that. So I automatically assumed that that that's what it was. And I think fresh you know, thought the same thing. I mean, it's 97. We don't have cell phones. There was no internet. So it wasn't a way for us to text each other or, or text somebody and say, Hey, what about this club here? So we're standing in line. And like I said, I kind of make that observation, but I'm really not paying attention, but I did, you know, about halfway up, I did realize that we, you know, there was just only men in this line. And again, I assumed that there was a ladies line on the other side because of so many people out there, I couldn't really tell. And this from the outside looking in, this looked like a club that you wanted to get into. Cause it looked like it was jumping. Right. So we get a little closer and then I see a guy come out of the club and he's mad or whatever like that. He's talking to somebody. And at first glance, I really wasn't paying attention to what he had on, but I overheard his conversation And his conversation led me to believe that, you know, he was gay. And that was cool because, I mean, I have friends who are gay. I know gay people. I mean, like, it's that's no it's no big thing to me. Right. I don't care what people do. But I just like I again, we're probably in Atlanta. We might have been there a month at this point we don't know anybody we don't know where we're going we just we just we just get in the car and just go and so the guy's conversation i'm kind of ear hustling a little bit i hear his conversation it kind of throws me off a little bit i'm like okay and then i look around the line and i'm looking around and i see a couple of guys in like ripped up shorts and one dude had on like some for lack of a better term, some Daisy Duke shorts. And the guy in front of us, he kind of turned around and he had on a ripped up T-shirt. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> and I, and I, again, I just automatically went to the assumption that they were gay, but it did not dawn. I just figured, OK, well, hey, it's gay guys going into this club. You know, it's no big deal. And then so we literally get to the door 
and we're able to peek in and you can see like the rainbow flag and you can hear the music and like and it was at that moment that fresh and I looked at each other and we realized that there were no women going into this club we realized that we had been standing in line to go into one of the biggest and most popular gay clubs in Atlanta called Bulldogs. And we didn't know. <laughs> we just didn't know. It was no big deal. It was, we weren't about to make no scene. We wasn't going to say nothing stupid. We just didn't know. So it was at that moment where we were able to look inside and see everybody in there, all the guys in there having a good time. And I mean, it looked it honestly from the outside looking in, it looked like a good time. However, (laughs) Fresh and I were trying to see some chicks. We weren't going into a gay club. I'm just sorry. So we kind of looked at each other like "Eh, we need to get out of this line. And so at this point, the bouncer is getting ready to pat us down. He's like, y'all coming in? And we was like, nah, we we, we go in our car. <laughs> and it was at that moment that I realized things ain't always what they seem. They're just not. <laughs> Shout out to Bulldogs, which to this day is still in the same spot and is still one of the premier gay clubs in Atlanta. From what I heard, it's a good time. It wasn't the spot that I was going into that particular night. So me and Fresh got in the car, rode around, found another club. We went in the club SO and had a ball. And so, you know, in in looking back on all of that, I just, you know, I realized that, you know, from the conversation that I had with Deion and Cameron that, you know, 97 Kyle ain't much different than 2021 Kyle. You know, I'm a little heavier. <laughs> <laughs> a little wiser, definitely older with a few grays, thanks to these kids. Um, you know, but I'm still a fly dude. I'm still cool. You know, it's just you live and you learn. But uh, I learned some lessons in 97 and uh, I think I'm a better person for it. So that's going to do it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast because from time to time this year, we will drop new bonus episodes on Sundays. Now, you know, the regular podcast drops on Thursdays, but we're dropping bonus episodes on Thursdays, excuse me, on Sundays as well. So that's going to do it for me. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I will catch you guys on the next go round. 5,000.